On your mark. Get set. Go. Friends and listeners, the following episode of Life is Like a Game Show contains topics and discussion on suicide. If you or anyone you know have suicidal thoughts or ideations, please seek help. Life is worth living. As somebody who has had those thoughts in the past myself, there's a lot to live for out there. And if you don't think you have anywhere to turn, I promise you, you always have somewhere to turn in the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. They're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And their phone number is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Five, five. And now, for the host moderator of Life is Like a Game Show here on the W2M Network, Mr. Harry Broadhurst. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening, and welcome to Life is Like a Game Show, Family Feud, the inside host. Next week's episode will be called The Bookends because that'll be Richard Dawson and Steve Harvey, the, the beginner and then the current host of Family Feud. This particular episode of Life is Like a Game Show is dedicated to the hosts in the middle for Family Feud, Richard Karn, Ray Combs, John O'Hurley, and whose name am I? Louis Anderson. Kind of appropriate that we're covering Louis the same day we lost Gilbert. Both known for their stand-up comedy. Absolutely. I am your host moderator, as Mr. Espinosa has just said. My name is Harry Broadhurst. We thank you once again for joining us. With me, as per usual, the DSDO, your executive producer, he is Eric Watkins. And you thought that I couldn't go ahead and just end everything with the intro early for that setup. <clears throat> I mean, you were the DSDO for a reason. Mm-hmm. JTN Jonathan Nielsen. We put the top 50 inches on the board, and here's the most popular answer. But my thumb was covering it. <laughs> Mm 
as per usual, that monkey's for you, Gilbert. Indeed. And the senior producer of the W2M network, although apparently not an executive, Brian Espinoza. Eric, if you would please. Just just audio in the audio in the background. Give me the Broadhurst family. Give me the Watkins family. It's time to play the family feud. You're going down, Watkins. Bring it! And here's the first host we're talking about this evening. You just saw him on screen there. Richard Karn. We're going out of chronological. Okay. Yeah, because Combs is going to be a serious discussion, and yeah, we it does can't open on that one. Yeah, but. it kind of feels like that should be the way we wrap it up. Unless, the, the unless you want to just pull a reverse chronological and start with O'Hurley. I mean, we could do that. In which you case, already... give me the intro again. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> Take stop, up. stop, rewind. Your thumb was covering it. My thumb was covering it. But my thumb was covering it. <laughs> That was actually pretty good, Watkins. I can't have the voice for it whenever I need to. <laughs> I, I think right. ha- take I hate- two here on Life is Like a Game Show. I hate how his- he's good at everything. <laughs> you're going to have to, war- you're gonna have to explain this all to Baba Watkins after this is done. You know oh, what? She, she already knew with the genius you that's know- what's going to be for Sunday. So, Eric, you know what I say to that? I say, roll it! <laughs> Give me the Nielsen family! Give me the Broadhurst family! It's time to play the Family Feud! And here's your host, John O'Hurley! And in order to begin our conversation of John O'Hurley, we go to Jonathan Nielsen with the non-credible academic resource. And before we do that, I sincerely apologize to our headphone users. <laughs> however, however, in all fairness and warning, that ain't the first time it's going to happen tonight. The, the bit's worth it. And at least you're not Michael Berger and people. Oh, don't don't, even, don't tempt don't, him. Don't. Did, somebody, did somebody say? No, we did not. <laughs> Michael Berger? <laughs> Failure to launch. Go ahead, Nielsen, with the non-credible academic. No, 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 that was intentional. Y'all thought I was going to belt it out. But I'll get you later on when you least expect it. Because, of course, you know, that's my shtick. Nobody expects the Brian Espinosa? Yeah, I mean, you know, don't just like nobody expects the Michael Burger! <laughs> Again, apologies to our headphones listeners, and if we and if we need to remind you of one thing, it's that here on Life is Like a Game Show, we are definitely full of shtick. Look, oh, I'm sorry, sorry I needed, Marty. I'm sorry, I needed the comedy after the seriousness of the Gilbert Gottfried thing. All right, go ahead with the non-credible academic for John O'Hurley. At least the smoke detector finally died. <laughs> Mute this man. Again, this is why you change your batteries every six months. John on track. Sorry, interrupting Jonathan Nielsen's life is like a game show exclusive. 
That's two. John. Yo, fuck. <laughs> That's three. <laughs> now, trust me, I know this one. John George O'Hurley Jr., age 67. Oh, oh, that's not good. That's oh. not. Nope, 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 nope. We're just going to move on. From Kingsford, Oxford, Kingswood, Oxford School, alma mater of Providence College, active in TV and such since 1983. Providence is in the school in Rhode Island? Private Catholic University, Providence, Rhode Island. Go Flyers! Big East represent up in this biatch. Continue, Joe. Married to Ava LaRue from 92 to 94 after a divorce. Found Lisa Meslow in 2004. One child, son of a housewife and an ear, nose, and throat surgeon. Oh, an otolaryngologist. Fucking show uh, off. <laughs> on Seinfeld, played Jay Peterman, fictionalized version of catalog company entrepreneur John Peterman from 95 till show's end in 98. Overly invested in the relaunch of the Jay Peterman company. This is 99. has been a part owner and member of the board of directors. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he a romantic interest of Julia Louis-Dreyfus on that show, her Elaine character? Not cited here, but I believe so. Pretty sure. So, Dancing with the Stars in 2005 with Not a game Scarlett show. Jorgensen. Hold on. Send me full screen for a second. Not a game show, Randy. <laughs> Emerged as the winning duo earning $126,000 for the Golfers Against Cancer charity. Afterward, they produced a dance instruction video, Learn to Dance with John and Charlotte. But his thumb was covering it! Damn it, you guys. Uh, guest appearances in Baywatch, no, all nothing, kinds of nothing. things. Damn. But started... As 2000-2002 host of To Tell the Truth is a game show. The Great American Celebrity Spelling Bee hosted that in 04. And September 11th, 2006, took over as host number five of The Family Feud. Mr. Watkins, I will allow you to lead discussion here. I will be right back. Uh, well, <clears throat> and now honestly, and I had mentioned this previously, but I think it was his stint on what was to that date the latest version of To Tell the Truth. That was really a good lead in as far as his career and how it worked with his, let's call it what it was, summarily brief run, of family feud. He had the proper chutzpah to really pull it off. But the issue that he signed with the feud, he got people writing to him, quote, I can't watch your show. It's a misnomer calling it that because it's not family. 
I feel everything's become a penis joke, and I got a little tired of that. I just felt there are other ways to be more interesting on television and always trying to push that style of family entertainment. Had a great time doing it, but it was time to move on. Well, I mean, with a lot of that, and I get it, but it's just... And I get where he's coming from as far as like time and place, but if you really think about it, during that time, it was really the resurgence of your mid to late 96 humor on television. And we were trying to get out of A, being prudish, and B, going through some rather tragic events five years prior to when he started Jerry, that show. Jerry, 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 oh, sorry, wrong show. Um, I'm about to say, didn't we cover baggage already? We did. But also, O'Hurley is one of few that has hosted... And been a contestant on a celebrity edition of Family Feud during Guys and Dolls Week in 1985. Huh. I think we'll be finding out more about that uh, next week. And he's got an extensive filmography from 1989 to 2020. TV from 83 until most recently... That totally made up comedy show a net, um, as a network executive in 2020. Hmm. He's even done some things in video games. Two, three games in the SpongeBob series, doing uh, King Neptune for two of those, and Seymour Scales for the third. And a couple of voice in the Family Guy video game. <laughs> Family Guy. Mm, if only it reminds me at that time Seth MacFarlane was nice about not having stuff DMCA'd if you put it up on YouTube but then he looked at what he wrote in there and uh, well his time was covering it <laughs> I, I see wait a minute I see a lot of fear stuff Espinosa are you trying to produce something Harry Broadhurst will be seen tonight. Harry Broadhurst is on his way back to his traditional seating spot. Taking the viewers on a little bit of a journey back to his bed, Cost couch thingy. Bed, apartment, day Broadhurst. Reminds um, me of the time I was at the parents' house. Alright, so first of all, let's not do any Family Guy setaway gags. I feel like Seth MacFarlane will sue us simply for those. I mean, kind of too late for that, but... No more. <laughs> Negative square! Okay, okay, I get air traffic control. I see the runway. I'm landing. <laughs> All right. Um, seriously, Nielsen, I'm a little disappointed in you. Read the line about why O'Hurley left again. <laughs> Waiting for it. You again asked me about something after I closed the page. But keep the damn page open. Is it that hard to just have a little bit of space on your one browser? That's what it's there for. He got, again, got tired of people writing to him as the host, saying they can't watch the show, it's not misnomer, too many dick jokes. But his thumb was covering it. Actually, I can do that one better. Actually, my thumb is covering it right now. 
<laughs> All right. I just we completely missed an opportunity there, and I didn't want to let that moment slip by. You get one shot, one opportunity. Don't miss your chance to blow. God, Knees, weak, arms, sweaty. Mom, vomit on a sweater already. Mom, Mom spaghetti. spaghetti. Yep, indeed. Much appreciated for getting the reference, Espinosa. All right, moving. Give that man a monkey. <laughs> What right, does Daddy. it take to get a monkey around here for Broadhurst? All monkeys tonight are dedicated to Gilbert Godfrey. All right, back to the show here. Um, so we'll do like a comprehensive rating at the end of the two episodes where we'll like rank all six hosts in order of our terms of preference here. How many episodes did uh how many episodes did O'Hurley get as host of Family Feud? I feel like that information should be on his on his I, Wikipedia. I, I, uh, I think it, at the very least, it would be on the show Wikipedia, wasn't it? Like two or three seasons. I want to say it was was two seasons because we were mentioning that four years. Four. Oh six to ten. Wow, longer than I thought. Did he had a pretty long run, run but it didn't feel like he had a wrong long run. That was O'Hurley's problem. Oh, Hurley was like super undervalued, not very memorable, still, and, and not, not yeah, and also not very memorable. memorable but he, he did, did a good enough job where he managed to pick up four seasons worth of of show. Did they go directly to Harvey after O'Hurley, or did yeah. they take a hiatus? No, no, there was a bit of a hiatus, if I remember correctly. I think it was like a year or two at least. Because I remember it being canceled in syndication, and then the Harvey version brought it back. They do just list syndicated 99 to present. There are no episode counts for the Cindy era. Okay. So I got to do some digging. Give me a moment. All right. While he checks uh, while he checks the, the game show fandom Wikia, another non-credible academic resource around these parts. Um, Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but I really don't have a whole lot to say about the John O'Hurley era. I remember watching it. I remember watching mm -hmm. episodes here and there from it, but Same. I don't. I don't remember any specific moments watching the John O'Hurley era of Family Feud. Thank you, IMDb credible source. Credible 100, source. One hundred sixteen divided by four is don't twenty nine. God damn it, Watkins! What part of "Don't tell me" do you not understand? Then stop doing the math out loud and not say don't tell me because I'm already going to do it in my head. Mute this man. I'm the producer. Don't care. Harry steal my gimmick. <laughs> gimmick infringement, a W2M network exclusive. Uh, uh, survey says uh, next previous host. Um, Actually, yeah, no, there wasn't a gap. Uh, Steve Harvey took over from Oa Hurley immediately. So 2000, the 2011 season? Which was season? in 2010. Oh, so the September of 2010 season. Yep, he ended Harvey's the 09-10 season. 10-11. Harvey's first episode was July 10th, 2010 from the Universal Orlando Resort in beautiful, sunny Orlando, Florida. He's been doing this shit almost 12 years now? 
Yes. Feel old, Broadhurst. Welcome to the club. Yeah, uh, sur- a little I bit. He, has he surpassed Austin at this point? I believe he has. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Conversation of both of those hosts coming next week here on Life is Like a Game Show. Segway. Yeah, we won't go too Steve Harvey, 891 episodes. So I mean, you're, you're producing a daily show. So, yeah, I mean. Uh, but Dawson, 2,311. The old man still reigns supreme. Well, he Are we like- counting the 94 in that? And 976 syndicateds from 77 to 85. And... 17 ABC prime times 78 to 84. Yeah, Dawson's king of the hill with propane and propane accessories. <laughs> dangle, dangle, don't understand nothing about what's going on here, man. I don't know what's going on. Dangle, thumb covered. <laughs> Why is that so funny? It's going to be a thing. You know it's going to be a thing. This takes us back to Richard Karn. Uh, cue the intro. Here we go again. Back in the Wayback Machine. Mr. Uh, staff announcer. Hold on. Allow me to... Way to step on my job there, Nielsen. Interrupting you Harry. You stole my gimmick. Interrupting Harry Brothers. There's not a W2M Network exclusive. Thank you. Well, I mean, technically, if you look at the indie siders on Rattlelich and broadcasting. <laughs> Interrupting the W2M Network staff voiceover announcer is not a thing, and he does not appreciate it. Now, can we get some fucking music, please? All right, all right. Let me cue that back. And now here we go. Thank you. Our returning champions, the Nielsen family. What? Playing against the Espinosa family. And now here's the star of the show, the quick-witted Richard Karn. You know, you could argue I kind of have a Richard Karn-esque beard going on right now. Do you want to go to the non-academic credible source for a change? I do not because I I I have to pull it up on my phone. I'm using my I'm using my laptop. Says for... it says the man who keeps asking to do stuff after the man closes a browser. I mean, you're not wrong. Well, speaking of browser tabs, they're now open to the non-credible academic resource I, for Richard Carn. I, 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 I did my I did my job. job Richard Carn Wilson. What? Age 66. We're safe. For now. Knock on wood. Just to... Thank you. Continue. Active in TV industry since 1979. Born Seattle, Washington. Father was a CB serving during World War II. The United States Naval Construction Battalion. Graduate of Roosevelt High School and University of Washington Professional Actor Training Program. So he's a Husky. And he gained some drama experience in Scotland at the Edinburgh Festival. 
Then he moved to New York City and was hired within a week to do a commercial for Michelob Beer, Eric Dirk Super Bowl fourteen, and then joined SAG. Oh, there was already a Richard Wilson, thus he dropped the last name. Curse you, Screen Actors Guild. And let's see here. Yeah. I believe 2002, he replaced Louis Anderson as the fourth host of Family Feud. And leaving in 06, being replaced by John O'Hurley, mentioned earlier. And replacing Patrick Duffy in 2008 on Game Show Network's Bingo America. And also a substitute host for GSN Radio. Got a golf classic from 94 to 99, the Seattle area, the Richard Karn Celebrity Golf Classic. And uh, false news, he died in August of 2020, despite a report from Microsoft News stating the contrary. He later stated on Twitter, he is alive and well. Filmography begins 98 of Bram Stoker's Legend of the Mummy. And now in post-production as the computer face, Carrie and Jess save the universe. TV star off One Life to Live in ABC's TGIF as our friendly neighborhood handyman Al. Yes, even that would bled into Al Borland on home improvement. <laughs> And uh, 2021's Assembly Required as a co-host. In two music videos, Someday by The Strokes, himself in a Family Feud parody, of course. Naturally. And 2018's Careless Whisper by Train, featuring Kenny G, as saxophone player, and uh, the cover pretty much uh, resembles Wham!, Train so, cover careless whisper, and uh, I can lose the full screen. Thank you. Train covered careless whisper. It's news to me too. I mean, I I've heard the Seether version, which is actually very good, but I'm ah, un- I'm unfamiliar. Ghost Archive and the Wayback Machine, and there's a YouTube link cited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, legit. <laughs> hey Eric, did you check Discord DMs urgently, please? Thank you. Uh-oh. One moment. Do, 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 do. No, no, oh, you can keep going. That's going. again. Yeah. Anywho, all right. So Richard Karn version of Fam, the Richard Karn version of Family Feud. I actually remember more about Karn than I do about O'Hurley. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that, correct me if I'm wrong, based on the timelines, do you still have the non-credible up, Mr. Nielsen? I do, and I have the more credible, which is 17 episodes? That can't be right. A Family Feud? Hell no. No, what I was about to ask was, how soon after uh, Home Improvement was done did he start doing Family Feud? I want to say it couldn't have been that that long? That he may have been doing them simultaneously. Home Improvement ran from 91 to 99. He took over a feud in 02. 
Wow. So, that's a good three, three years. years. Yeah. Three years in between. But one could argue, uh, similar to uh, John O'Hurley to an extent with his run on Seinfeld, kind of as we talked about uh, when we discussed that we were going to do this, the place where stand-ups go to die with uh, Family Feud. Forgive the You pulled a copyright JTN 2002 non-sequitur there, sir. Uh, for, forgive the potentially insensitive phrasing there, but that's the exact phrase we used to describe it last week, is it not? Uh, to quote a meme, phrasing. You're not wrong. I don't disagree. Uh, Archer would not be happy with me right now. But anyways. The point being is that stand-up stand-up comedians and actors from famous sitcoms moved over to Family Feud in the the afterglow of their of their comedic careers. O'Hurley moved over to from Seinfeld, although Seinfeld ended in like 1999, so he was more than a good decade past his best by date at that point. Whereas, like we just talked about, uh, Richard Carn was only three years removed from Home Improvement, and one could argue. That such a short time away from home improvement there, he was still pretty well popular in the public eye at that point, given the fact that home improvement was one of the most syndicated comedies of its time. Oh, yeah. And I think also he was trying to a bit um, de-typecast himself because he's been in that role for so long. Everybody just saw him as your friendly neighborhood assistant, Al Borland, that he wanted people to get to know Richard Karn instead. And also keep in mind as we go back through the Wayback Machine here, um, he kind of had to save the show from a morality perspective, considering his predecessor also had a uh, propensity for lewd humor, let's just say. Baskets, even. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I I mean, good reference is good reference. We'll we'll get to him here in a few moments, uh, Mister. Really, nothing, nothing for the home improvement laugh. Really, no, nothing. I mean, I mean had, you you actually, had you actually done it when we were more into home improvement? I'm sorry, I'm over here doing research. Okay, he's trying to do his job. Let him. Okay, I got to stop doing that because I'm not going to have a voice. My thumb was covering it. I'm trying to do my job, but I'm trying to bribe this officer with $500, but his thumb was covering it. Why? Because you fool. So while we're in this era, uh, real quick, Brian's finishing up the research. Real quick. Okay, Harry, go ahead. No, just real quick here. For more Gilbert Gottfried tribute, make sure to tune into this Sunday's episode of Point of Viewer. Randy Isbell, we coming for you, some bitch. She ain't gonna know what hit him. All right, all right, shut up, shut up, shut up. Yep, that's as far as I'm going with that. We call that a dun dun dun. Wait, you mean it's actually a dramatic, dramatic reverb. reverb? You fool! All right, what were you about to say, Nelson? You had some good announcers also in this time frame. Sure, now you got Ruben Irvin, who isn't even Wasn't... dignified with a page on the non-academic credible source. I thought the current announcer for Family Feud was Joey Fatone. And at this time, we're talking about 
we had a Joey Fatone first run, and then Joey Fatone came back for the current. Yeah, so the syndicate is a double dip. So the syndicated, everybody knows you only dip once. It's it's common decency. Anyway, so it depends on where you're dipping into. And so we talk about who wants to be a millionaire later on in uh, the summer season here on Life is Like Game Show. You know this man on the W2M network. The infringement is real on this episode. So when I do it now, there's a problem. I see exactly how things are around here. I... Almost made a completely oh. off-color response to that. <laughs> I stopped myself short. I'm proud of myself. We're going to go ahead and move forward here. Who were the other? I got two words for you, brothers. Family show. <laughs> My dad was covering it. Anyway, okay, I got to stop. He violated and penetrated the walls of her. <laughs> no. I think you stop there, man. Oh. The views and opinions um, of Brian Espinosa do not necessarily reflect those of the rest of the WWE. Oh, they definitely express the thoughts and opinions of the W2M network. All right, we got it. I think we actually did this right by splitting off the of the official tribute as a separate thing, Captain Sears. And then we just rolled the gimmick <laughs> mode on the second part. Yeah, this is the rare time we actually recorded two episodes in one night. Yeah, you guys got the Gilbert Godfrey tribute that's available in the archives over on W2Mnet.com as well as on all of your favorite audio listening services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox, Overcast. Rate, review us five stars on Spotify. Join us on Discord, link available in the show description. And also check us out in video format on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. What do you want, Espinosa? I'm getting my plugs in. Okay, good job on the plugs, but... It hasn't even been an hour since that show's been done. We can't work that fast to get them in the archives because the thumbs were covering them. Okay, but here's the thing, though. By the time people actually get to listen to this episode in the archives, that episode will be in the archives. What about our live viewers? We're already on Facebook. You were yelling at me for playing it before we started. You fool. Facebook. Twitter, YouTube, W2M Network, Twitch, W2M Net. I'm getting better at remembering also, that. Also, during this like 2002 and beyond run, not a lot of rule changes. That's why we're not really going in heavy into the gameplay. A lot of the gameplay mechanical changes happened pre-99. Because right from when... Lowey Anderson took over till now. It's pretty much been the same static show. Wait, did I just get queued? You did not, because I have a uh, comment before we do that. Um, You're on deck, though. You are on deck, absolutely. Uh, you're actually standing across from the batter by the wicket. The flight is flashing that says that I'm about to go on air. Got it. Yes, exactly. All right, let's... Uh, Real quick here, anything specific from the Karn from the Karn edition stand out to any of you guys? You know no. what the problem? You know what Aside the pro- from bad home improvement jokes? No. You know what the problem was with both Karn and O'Hurley is they didn't really do anything to differentiate it from like what Steve Harvey has done, 
with Steve Harvey doing the various military specials and doing the various tournaments and doing the various well, primetime specials. Well, I don't that's think just, that's entirely like the host's control, though. No, and that's what I was going to say. It's a matter of when you have a host, and we've talked about this in the shows we've done, when you have a right host and when you go through multiple hosts, what the host really does is they make their run, their version of the show, their own. And for both Richard Karn and John O'Hurley, outside of their previous work, there was really nothing to make their own. It, yeah, it was just nothing there. That, that's what I was going to say. It's They tried to make it their own, but they didn't really have anything to make it their own off of, which was why it was entirely unmemorable, especially with O'Hurley. At least with Karn, you got a bad home improvement joke every couple of episodes um, or him trying to pull some stand-up bit out, kind of what uh, Harvey did in his early days to try to establish a show as his own, but Karn didn't pan over well with audiences either. A lot Karn, of Karn, I, I know you guys talked about it a little bit while I was, you know, doing some research here, but yeah, no, Karn really did get stereotype casted and, 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 and typecast locked into that home improvement role. And when viewers turned into the family feud, trying to, you know, expecting home improvement, Richard Karn and he didn't really deliver it that's where it falls flat and that's where he fell short and that's where he couldn't really make it his own uh, Al Borland and you can make the same argument about John O'Hurley with the Jay Peterman persona yeah there was those the, the Karn era was just full of a lot of um, plaid I mean, uh, I mean, I look at look, look look at the look at the intro for crying out loud, right? Like I did, I did the intro. That was the actual intro that they did. Like the show was so fall flat on its face, boring that they had to hype him up as being quick witted. Roof. Never uh, a good thing when that's your hype up, uh, Mister Espinoza. I believe your broadcast on air light is flashing. Has it gone solid? It is. Cue the music, Watkins. Okay. <clears throat> Today, from Ron Kakamu, New York, interrupting him is a W2M Network gimmick exclusive. It's the Nielsen family. And from Washington, D.C., his sports record is better than the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's the Watkins family. You're about to see these two podcast hosts battle it out for $10,000 in cash because it's time to play the family feud. And here's the star of our show. Show me food, Louie Anderson. That was just flat out brilliant. Was that the Burton Richardson announcing era? Yes. That man deserved more respect than he ever got. This would have been about the era that I started watching Family Feud on a regular basis was when Louie was the host. So... Yeah, they um, went over the top with the Louie intros, but I really liked the, you know, ding, 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 like boxing 
you know, bit at the beat. Like they really tried to hype, but like those intros really hyped you up for an episode. And it's a shame because I'm going to say it flat out. Louis rested peace, but man, he fell flat. He tried to bring a stand-up routine, which was non-family oriented to, uh, to quote, to quote certain people that where's my other finger. There we go. To quote certain people. (laughs) Your dad was covering it. (laughs) Uh, I I need a, I need a line because you know, the both of you should be saying it right now. Anyway, you fool. No, family show. Oh, God, I set you, you up for fool! it. Thank you. There's I, the you fool. I, I missed my cue. It yes, happened. Yes, you did. It, um, ha- it happened. But my drink was covering it. <laughs> he was mid-drink when you set him up. So he, um, um, Okay. Just for Gilbert, we'll give that one a monkey. Seriously, Toby? Yes, seriously. Toby gets it. Toby fucking gets it. Toby. The man in the audience, not even in the fucking panel, and he got it. See? He even acknowledges. He got it. To- Toby, you're about to get it. Damn it, Toby. Oh, Damn it, God. Toby. I'm going right. to no voice for work tomorrow. <laughs> so <laughs> here's where Louis Anderson got a bit of a rub. A bad deal. Are we going to the non-credible academic here, Mr. Nielsen? Not yet. Not yet. Outside of the Dawson return, which is not the subject of this week's show. In the 94. This show has been dead in the water from 93 up until 99. This is a six-year hiatus. Don't hiatus if you ain't revival. Coming from the predecessor, Ray Combs era. So, you got a stand-up comic following a stand-up comic. There's your problem. Oh, it's no change. No chance to make the show your own. Oh, it's definitely a typecast for the host of this show throughout its entire run. I mean, you could argue that Dawson wasn't specifically a stand-up comic, but everybody after him clearly has their start in comedy. Uh, Set up the chain, yeah. But you you look at Louis. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about Louis' accolades through television there. You got um, Richard Carn through Home Improvement, John O'Hurley through Seinfeld, and now Steve Harvey, who was coming in off of the Bernie Mac and then the Steve Harvey shows. As we cue something up in the background. Yeah, I'm hearing I'm hearing Louis say survey says. Apparently he agrees so, with uh, my assessment. It's on the board. So... Non-credible academic time? Read my mind. Once again, with the non-credible academic resource, we go to Jonathan Nielsen. Lewis Perry Anderson. Do a birth and death date here. Yeah. Born on March 24th, 1953. Lost him January 21st this year. Age 68 in Las Vegas, Nevada. Stand-up TV and film from 84 till 22. My entire lifetime, this man was active in comedy. Improv comedy, clean comedy, deadpan, and satire. I need to take you off full screen for a second. Oh. I apologize for this. 67, 66, 
68. They definitely seem to have an age range that they appreciate for this show. Yeah. Typecasting much? Carry on, Mr. Nelson. Born and raised St. Paul, Minnesota. Son of a Mayflower descendant. And his father, trumpeter for a singer, Hoagland Howard Carmichael. One of the Tin Pan Alley songwriters of the 30s. Second youngest of 11. Yes, 11 children in his family. Making a family show. 2016 interview on WTF with Mark Marone. A show that was launched September of 09. Marin. Thank you for that pronunciation correction. Anderson reveals his mother actually gave birth to 16 children. The first baby, then two sets of twins died at birth. Anderson described his father as abusive and an alcoholic. Attended Johnson Senior High in St. Paul. Made his television debut two days after I was born. January 13, 1984, on Rodney Dangerfield's Young Comedian Special on HBO. Get no respect. Where he got some respect. <laughs> I bought my wife a t-shirt. I bought my wife a BB gun for Christmas. She got me a t-shirt with a bullseye on the back. More on the bullseye round of this show when we get to our previous host. Segway? Good attempt at a segue, though. Unintentional segue is unintentional. November 2084, debut as a comedian on The Tonight Show. 85, he was on the pilot episode of Perfect Strangers. John Landis is coming to America. Guest star of first episode of the Muppets television segment on the Jim Henson Hour. It's 1995. Uh, we can take me off a of full screen because I got a light question. Who remembers an anime of Fox series called Life with Louie? It's like with Louie, Louie, Louie. <clears throat> he also starred and created in the Louie show for CBS. <laughs> he was uh, playing a psychopath in Duluth, Minnesota. Uh-oh. Why, why am I getting the look all of a sudden? What is with this? What's with this? You're muted, so it has no effect. I'm looking at Harry's nose, but my thumb was covering it. Nielsen knows what this look is for. Gimmick infringing bitch. Touche. So, Louis Anderson, 99, landed the host of New Birds of Family Feud. Anderson asked Rich Dawson to appear on the premiere show to give his blessing. Dawson said, eh. but Louis Anderson did this right. 9-11 themed tournament week of Family Feud. Fire Department in New York, NYPD putting up 75 grand towards both organizations for recovery from 9-11 attacks. And then in response to that, 2002, to uh, 
quote, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, you're fired! Do I even need to explain what this stare is for? No. Really? You're going to do a Vince impression on a show with a wrestling guy on the network? Yes! No chance! No chance in hell! Okay. You're fired! Headphone warning to all of our listeners. Again, apologies. Sorry, B, we were about to give you a monkey for your no chance, but then you ruined it with the you're fired. I thought that was pretty good. You're fired. It was not. Mine was better. Harry's was better. Subjective bullshit. Watch I appeal to the I appeal to the neutral umpire. Who's fire? Who's your fire? It was most Vince esque. Knowing what it's I know of Vince, it definitely was Harry's. Thank you, Brian. You had the lead up. You had the lead up. It, you got two red lights. You needed three. It, it was right, the perfect line for pitch. It was going ahead. It was turning. We'll give you in. four. No, it, but it was missing the wickets, therefore not out. Sorry, Harry hit it perfectly. I'll give you four runs. Mine was a six. Also fair. After the feud run. Uh huh. I don't need I don't your pity runs. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Neil. Two thousand. Um, Panelist on to tell the truth, hosted by John O'Hurley. You know what you can do with your pity runs, Broadhurst? Family show? You can cover them with your thumb. Go ahead, Nielsen. Oh, one appeared on an episode of Weakest Link, made 31 grand. Appearances on Scrubs, Grace Under Fire. I can't do this an all on my own. Chicago Hope, guest starred on the Adult Swim cameo filled show. Tom goes to the mayor. I hated that show. After Man, a while. 06 played in the 2006 World Series of Poker main event in Las Vegas, Nevada. Did he finish in the money? I feel like we would refer to World Series of Poker as. I don't feel like that's a game show. I mean, kind no. of ish. No. No. Ish to an we are talking about Vegas and, you know, Segway? Laws. 21 means 21, god damn it. Hashtag BetOnBavada. He's just infringing everybody tonight, Brian. I mean... You asked me to go to the Don Credible Act. Harry, Harry, you want to you, you wanna do it for me? Am I about to hit him with a Vince? Yes, please. Okay. Yes! Ah! I'll wait till the next host, then. Um... I, I remember watching Louie. Louie was the first one that I watched. I would have been 14, 15-ish. He takes over in 99. I would have been 14, 15-ish. So that would have been around the time that I would have had my own TV in my bedroom. So I would have been watching, watching shows when I got home from school and stuff. And Family Feud would have been one of those shows that I would have watched because I've always been, even, even as a kid, I was always a game show watcher. Even Naturally. Not, not a, a full-on enthusiast here. I'm I'm guessing we have a clip based on what Watkins just tried to pull up, so I'm gonna go ahead and go to that. 
Well, I, I mean, with something like that, I was actually waiting for more of a setup because I had to introduce the clip to actually get it on the screen and then hide it because there was no proper setup or everything else. Well, then I go to Mr. Espinoza for the explanation of said clip. Oh, uh, wait, a uh, memorable, memorable Anderson moment. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Oh, here's the reverb. Oh, wait. Stop, 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 stop. You said dramatic reverb. There was a dun, 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 but there was no doggo. Doggo would take video We're too off late. screen. We're too late. Keeping it moving. Doggo would have taken video off screen. Thank you, it's the Bregman family against the Allen family. You know what? One of these people could walk out of here with $10,000, but I think... Let's get started, pay the few. Come on, come on, Peter. How are you? I'm doing great. Good luck. We surveyed 100 people, top seven answers on the board. You have to try to find the most popular answer. Name a part of the body that gets bigger as adults get older. Freddie. Uh, penis. <laughs> yes, gentlemen, I just set you up for a dick joke. How lucky! How lucky! Let <laughs> you know. <laughs> Stand back there. Let's see. There's penis up there. Uh, it would have been up there, but my thumb was covering it. <laughs> Do me a favor. Pull the clip for a second here. That's it. That's the whole. Clip. Um, that's the whole clip. You can pull it down. Is it just me or did Louis miss an opportunity there? Show me penis. <laughs> that's exactly why he family show. Ah, yeah, that's what the, finally Nielsen gets it right on the third queue up. <laughs> Sorry, it made me chuckle. All right. Any of you guys have any specific memories about the Louis Anderson version of the Family Feud? I actually do remember going back and watching the 9-11 special with the, the NYPD versus the NYFD. I remember going back and watching that entire week of episodes. Pretty sure they're available on YouTube. I won't say where because that'll get us in trouble, but if you know where to search, you'll find them. So the IMDB cites Anderson as host of seven episodes. That ain't right. That ain't anywhere near close. Mm -mm. Maybe they don't have the archives for syndication back then? Well, I mean, in, two th in those times, yes, they would have, especially since he was also the voice in the video game. And I mean, the timing of this show and with his humor, depending on what happened before and after this <laughs> run, kind of telling in the life of Louis Anderson himself. Uh, I believe Speaking we have his life, actually. Um, there is one item from the non-academic credible source, Eric, if you can uh, address that. But first, I think Harry had something. I was going to say, we just got another. Oh, yeah, let's actually play that clip that Espinosa just submitted. Um, this it is ain't a... a clip. It's a full episode. So... But we'll, we'll just play a clip from it. This is, this is from the aforementioned NYPD versus NYFD. 2001 9-11 tribute tournament. 
So let's go ahead and go to that clip right now, Mr. Watkins. Today on a special American Heroes edition of The Family Feud, representing the courageous men and women of law enforcement, it's the Crime Fighters! And answering the bell for firehouses everywhere, meet the Firefighters! You're about to see these two teams battle it out for thousands of dollars for their favorite charity! Because it's time to play The Family Feud! Now here's the host of our show, Louis! Is that Burton Richardson again? Yep. Burton Richardson did Anderson's entire run. You'll notice the never forget ribbon that Anderson's wearing on his suit lapel as well. I gotta say, as far as intros go, Anderson had the best intro, and it's sad because I think he's the host that fell flat the most. From a most, he was hamstringed yeah. by the Cindy's. See, I didn't care for John O'Hurley. If and like, I didn't whoop. care for O'Hurley either, but I think Anderson. I think O'Hurley tried. Anderson phoned a lot of it in. I, I don't disagree with that. We'll, well, we'll like I said earlier. Uh, next week, when I've got a question. Oh, just, just, just no. Yeah. I mean, if you want to give me a banner right now, you can. But next week, when I've got a question, it will be your rankings of the hit shows hosts in in order, starting at the bottom and going to your favorite host. However, in in deference to the conversation of tonight, there, yeah, I think the the issue with Anderson was. Is I don't know that Anderson was a big enough name for a lot of people at the time either. Well, here's the rub: you had just gotten off of a life with Louis, and while he wasn't fledgling, again, he was still a relatively, not entirely relatively, but a mostly still unknown and mass stand-up comedian. He was Plus, a he was a niche comic too because of the fact of the uh, style of material that he did. And that actually leads to a big thing, because keep in mind, we're talking his run from 99 to 02. Fresh off the heels of in 1997, when he was a victim of blackmailing, being blackmailed by a man named Richard John Gordon, who threatened to tell the tabloids at that time that it was sexually, that Anderson sexually propositioned him in a casino in 1993. Anderson actually paid a hundred grand worth of hush money. Gordon's demands up to 250 grand. Lawyers got involved. Cops got involved. High-speed chase along Santa Monica Boulevard. Gordon did nearly two years in prison. And then after Family Feud, not one, but two successful heart procedures in 2003. So, yeah, that kind of a short window of where everything was at least half decent, then everything declined. And then, unfortunately, January I mean, 18th of this year, he was hospitalized in Las Vegas for large B-cell lymphoma. 
having originally been diagnosed back in 2012 and unfortunately died from the complications three days later. One would argue that his greatest success came post Family Feud with Baskets. Both, uh, oh, yeah, no, critic- 100%. His, both his critically successes definitely came post feud, both critically and uh, audience acclaimed over on the FX network. He also, in the movie Back by Midnight, played a game show host 2005. All right, so we've had a lot of fun joking around on tonight's episode. So- of or do you have something else, Brian, before I move um- on? I, I do, and I know where you're going, and I'm going to go ahead and kind of beat you to the punch with it. Um, Anderson definitely was not, like, in the best place personally when he did, um, when when he was doing Family Feud. Like, I, I, I wish I could find it right this second. Um... But I remember that he was going through, like he talked about, he was going through some really serious depression right around the time he picked up Family Feud, which really led to him phoning it in on Feud, basically. Um, As we- I, I, I wish I uh, knew who like picked up Anderson for the role. Um, But yeah, I know one of you I heard mentioned while I was doing a little bit of research here said that Anderson went to Dawson and, you know, said, Hey, yeah. Hey, come on the original show or uh, come on my first episode. And, you know, I'd like you to give me your blessing. And Dawson was like, Nope. Um, All right, before I we... don't know. I, I, I think he could have uh I think if he wasn't in the mental state that he was in, I think he would have done a lot better. Unfortunately, that is a perfect segue to our next conversation. However, before we do that, you are listening to Life is Like a Game Show, a presentation of the W2M Network online at W2Mnet.com. I am your host moderator. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I am also joined by Eric Watkins, Jonathan Nielsen and Brian Espinoza. If you don't mind, I'd actually like to take it this time, Brian. Um, read the chat. Uh, I disagree, but very well. Eric? I'll let Eric make the decision. No, I mean, with something like this, I kind of agree, especially since we're at that hour mark. It would make more sense. So before we get into Ray Combs. Yeah. Um, As stated at the beginning of our episode this evening, folks, there are topics or we will be discussing the topic of suicide. Uh, This is the point of the episode where we will be discussing suicide and people committing suicide. If this topic makes you uncomfortable, offends you, otherwise discomforts you, this is your warning now to tune out of the show. This is our last topic. 
this is our last topic of the evening. Until we um, get to the news desk, but we'll make sure we put a timestamp on the show to let you know when we pick up with the news desk. There will be chapters, both in the audio version for proper timestamps and when this goes up on YouTube. Continue, Mr. Espinosa. Yes, as my co-hosts have said, we will have chapters, timestamps, etc. at the bottom of this episode. Again, from this point further, this episode is being moved forward with a trigger warning in place for conversations about suicide. Again, if you are having suicidal ideations and you feel that you have nowhere to turn to or you need help, please talk to someone, talk to a friend, talk to hell, talk to a stranger, talk to anybody. And if you can't if you don't feel that there's anybody you can talk to you can always call the national suicide prevention hotline at 1-800-273-8255 if if i may have the floor please for a second um mr Watkins, thank you i don't talk about this much i spent time in a facility for a suicide attempt when i was a teenager thankfully i had a good group of people were there for me and who helped me realize that there is a brighter tomorrow ahead of the darker skies of today. If you or anyone you know is considering these acts, please seek help. Thank you. Uh, to the non-credible academic resource for Ray Combs, Mr. Nielsen. April 3rd, 1956, or in Hamilton, Ohio. June 2nd, 1996, Glendale Adventist Medical Center, Glendale, California, at the age of 40. Graduate of Garfield High School, Began his comedy career in Cincinnati's Red Dog Saloon, where he developed his best-known shtick of audience sing-alongs of sitcom theme songs. Seventy-nine sent a letter to David Letterman asking for advice. Letterman encouraged him to keep going in comedy. Eighty-two convinced he was better than the comedians exactly saw on the Tonight Show. Left his job as an Indianapolis in furniture salesman. I moved to LA with the family. Did well in a competition more than 200 younger comedians. Audience warms for NBC on Golden Girls, Backs of Life, Amen. Johnny Carson heard of the audience's laughter, invited him on the Tonight Show in October 86. Audience gave him standing ovation. Celebrity panelist on the John Davidson Hollywood Squares in 87. Small role in a comedy film. And then 1988, Mark Goodson and Howard Fleischer give him a seven-year contract to host a new version of Family Food announced by the men, the myth, the legend, Gene Wood. One little that. quick thing to go on before we go here. <laughs> now, I, I wanted to, but again... This was highly important. Toby, 
I had a family member that had suicidal thoughts not long ago and I helped her get help. I also have seen suicide affect young kids as well. This is a serious topic that affects many people. Please seek help. You're not alone in your battles. About a month ago, I was engaged in a lengthy Facebook messaging conversation with someone who might have been considering such things based on the tone of that conversation. So we will, we will move forward yeah. from here. Gentlemen, I will greatly encourage decorum here. I know we have a lot of fun on this show. However, for the sake of Ray Combs and to honor the man's legacy, try to keep this one moving forward. I believe Mr. Espinosa has a cue for you to play, Mr. Watkins. Oh, geez, thanks for cutting me off because I wanted to say something about that. But no, we'll keep moving. Nope, there we go. <clears throat> Suicide's no laughing matter. Joe, folks, when I was in middle school, my best friend got on a go-kart, drove it head-on into a semi, took his life. I have also been on the suicidal ideation end of suicide quite a few times in my life. When my dad passed away... I stood on an unguarded overpass to I-4 here in, or here in Lakeland and came inches away from jumping. If you're there, there's more to live for. I promise you that. Let's meet the Watkins family. Ready for action. Playing against the Broadhurst family. On your mark, let's start the family feud. With the star of the family feud, Ray Cole. <laughs> That theme music, I think, just livened us all up. I think we all needed it after that. I, I was going to say, man, this is either going to be the most necessary or absolute worst segue in the history of the show. If you I, didn't like that, send your hate mail to s.garmer at gmail.com. No, Mark, no, 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 no. Fuck s.garmer at gmail.com. Let him send it directly to me at the Andesian on Twitter, and I will actually fight somebody. You heard him, Marty. You don't even get a four-second warning. Damn. You, you heard the man, Marty. That, that, I tried. I am that impassioned that that was one of the better segues we've ever done on this network. So I have to be honest with you guys. Never seen a full episode of the Ray Combs Family Feud era. You outside, know? Outside of the WWF versus WBF episodes that he did. You know, 
there's a part of me that's like the minute you said I gotta be honest with you guys staring intently into the camera with a menacing look is definitely a W two web network gimmick exclusive. I mean gimmick infringement is also a W two web network gimmick exclusive featuring chief gimmick infringer Mr. Jonathan Nielsen. Go ahead, Eric. Continue your thought. I was going. Harry, to... I grew up on this host. Shush! Mute uh, this man. Look, look, look. I'm just going to say this because he's not going to say it. You know how I got on my soapbox for Doug Davidson and Price ninety four. This is yeah. Thank you, Eric. We yeah. can allow him his moment here in a few seconds. Let Eric. No, I'm, I'm just saying, like, you thought what you had to watch what you say with me and Doug Davidson 94. It's, you need to dial that up to like 13. Okay. Let me state for the record that the WWF versus WBF episodes that I watched were very good. And I also happened to enjoy when Mr. Combs crossed over into the World Wrestling Federation at Survivor Series 1993. Mr. Nielsen did not discuss this. For the Knights and the Shawn Michaels and his team of Knights versus the Hart family match at Survivor Series 1993, which set up one of the best matches in WrestleMania history, the family feud between Brett and Owen Hart in 1994. It was uh, WrestleMania 10, sir. But he was a guest ring announcer, WrestleMania 8. I just hadn't gotten that far on the non-academic credible source. You fool! Well, I'm, I'm so taking... I'm taking the wrestling references. It? I'm taking the wrestling references here because that's my shtick on life is like a game show. And all I was gonna say was the minute you uttered out your famous phrase, I've got to be honest with you guys. Number one, I knew exactly what was coming that you hadn't seen a Ray Combs episode. And number two, I'm honestly not surprised that the only episodes that you saw were the wrestling episodes of the Ray Combs era. So I can't even be that shocked. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. And, and it's not that I have anything against Ray Combs' era of the Family Feud. There's just not a ton available of it either. Oh, very fair. It's nothing fair. against you. It's just, you know, one of your poker tells. That being said... It do be facts, though. That, be, that being said, I will go back to Mr. Nielsen with the non-credible academic resource for more information. On the aforementioned Ray Combs. So, actually, I don't need the full for this because I'm also going to talk a little bit about the show and the changes that occurred there because they were trying to get a bit of a ratings boost because, uh, sadly, Ray did not get the best reception because he was, was not the original host. Not to was, mention with it being CBS instead of ABC and NBC where the Dawson run aired. Was this the invention of the bullseye round? Thank you for the perfect segue. June 29th, 1992, expanded from 30 minutes to one hour. We begin with the bullseye round, number one answers only. That's and where the, the teams show was retitled to the Family Feud Challenge. Correct me if I'm wrong. The bullseye round is where the teams play to decide how much money they were playing for in the main game, correct? Look at this Ding guy. He only, he only sees five episodes, and yet he... No really 
First, I split nose in the damn cricket references from Slumdog Millionaire. Now I got to deal with this from you? Man never watched a fucking episode, but he knows exactly all the changes happened during this old strut. How the fuck, Harry? Sucker, I'm honest. I'm surrounded by knuckles. You want the honest answer to that? How the Wikipedia? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I will also say the the original pilot is is also out there, but the pilot had a lot of changes made between it and the actual Family Feud challenge. If I'm not mistaken, and I could be, the I just want to say on record: if he gets this right, he has officially bluffed us with the not poker face. If I am not mistaken, I believe the Super Nintendo version of Family Feud is hosted by Ray Combs and has the bullseye round intact. The era of the console's life and the Combs hosting era coincide perfectly for it, though I can't verify it with the information I have. I am almost certain. I, 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 would not, I would not take that bet. I'm but almost the kind of person who would take that bet. Segway. Um, I pass it to the man who does the reference best yes. for this. It's not me. You Ooh, have to set me up with the hashtag bet on Bavada first, you fuck. 21 means 21. God damn it. Obey all. Obey all local and federal gambling laws. Please gamble responsibly. Hey, I'll take a full round on that. The network voice announcer, Brian Espinosa, will no longer be seen or heard on this evening's episode of Life is Like a Game Show. This has been a feature presentation of the <laughs> WQM Network. Thank you for listening. So at this point, Ray Combs is on TV doing Good family food. Schmuck. Hour long for the challenge and the half hour Cindy five days a week. The man is getting exposure like crazy during that 92-93 season. He enjoyed the hosting, but rigid formulas of game shows... Don't give him a lot of opportunity to flex that acting comedic muscle. Face it, when you host game shows for so long, you kind of fear becoming typecast as a game show host. And we've seen and it happen. And as the ratings started to... They decided to replace Combs in 92 and bring Dawson back trying to get a spike. As the credits began rolling at the end of his episode, he immediately walked off stage, went to his dressing room to get changed, left CBS television without saying goodbye to anyone, got in his car, drove straight home. Ah, that was particularly... Red flags should have gone off at that point. The man was not too happy with the Goodson Todman uh, people especially after Mark Goodson passed in 92, son Jonathan Goodson made that call. And I don't think it was one old man Mark Goodson would have approved of personally. But, but, I was about but, to say, is he seriously gone? Welcome back. 
the, the, the discussions were had for the to be had. I was also about to thus pass things over about some other appearances. Like a guest ring announcer at WrestleMania 8. But that's more the territory of the man right below me now, Mr. Harry Broadhurst. I actually don't remember him at WrestleMania 8. I specifically remember his interactions at uh, Survivor Series 93 leading to uh, WrestleMania 10 and the Brett Owen match. Yeah, but in WrestleMania 8, apparently, he, uh, according to the source here, amused that capacity crowd at the Indianapolis Hoosier Dome. Lashed into a team of the Nasty Boys, the Mountie, and the Repo Man with a whole bunch of insults being ultimately chased. I do remember this. I do remember that now. Commentator along Vincent Kennedy McMahon and Bobby the Brain Heenan, Survivor Series 93, as you mentioned, as well as um, he WBF Celebrity Versions of Feud. And he introduced the uh, Hart family versus Michaels and his Knights and then went and joined commentary for the match itself, yes. That I do recall. Both of those shows, WrestleMania 8 and um, Survivor Series 1993, available on Peacock on the WWE Network portion if you are interested in viewing. I would imagine a YouTube search would bring up those clips as well. And some of the last appearances of Ray Combs on TV made up. Pilot for a talk show, the Ray Combs show is not picked up. The Family Challenge on the Family Challenge, 95-96. Couple appearances on Game Show Network, actually. And in between that and his family feud run, serious car accident along uh, California State Road 134, part of the Ventura Highway. Stain injuries, one of his spinal discs, leading to severe and continuous pain. Struggling financial problems. Two of his comedy clubs failed. Caddy Combs and the Cincinnati Comedy Collect- Connection. And it's all went into foreclosure. Right. Separated from his wife in September 95. Wife of 18 years with six children. Uh, after an attempt to reconcile, they filed for a divorce. Proceed. Mr. Espinoza, uh, what's that phone number again? One eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. I figured I'd take it from there. I have a knack for numbers. I was going to allow him to get back involved with the show there. Am I, was I going to get the death stare just then? I was anticipating the death stare. I'm um, only here so I don't get fined. Okay, welcome back, Marshawn Lynch. Does this mean you're going to start working at Subway? Is that how this works? I mean, I did have a sub for dinner. Hey, and why did we go to Wawa? Because they were going to double the points, of course, on the rewards app. Ladies and gentlemen, by the way, if you would like, if you would like to. Um... I'm going to have to get one of these if I could get... Oh, it's getting blurred by the, the damn thing here. Yeah, you are severely out of focus when you... No, have no, no, it's no background blur. blur. Yeah, I have a background blur up. You were going to show it, but your thumb was covering it. So if I keep my hand on it, it kind of doesn't... Okay. It's, it's self-censorship. Because <laughs> my thumb was covering it. 
Um, <laughs> we may be doing an impromptu drink review on this uh, drink that I am drinking this week on Point of Viewer instead of the Kedem grape juice. Okay. I looked for that Nitro Pepsi and could not find it at Giant Eagle today. Pepsi it's only at Walmart. Only at Walmart right now. Oh, well, that explains why I couldn't find it at Giant Eagle. All right. Yeah, Walmart exclusive. Gentlemen. Again, before we move on, remember, send all sponsorship inquiries and desires to at the Andesian on Twitter, and you will be replied to promptly. Because here at the W2M Network, we we can't be bought, Eric. But we can damn sure be rented. All right, we've had some fun over these last... What, why the hell is it now? You guys can gimmick infringe freely and fully with, like, no reservation or fucks given earlier. But now, when we actually try to set up the proper people for the proper gimmicks, nobody can get their fucking shit right. <laughs> because gimmick infringement... I'm actually upset right now. <laughs> Because gimmick infringement is a W2M network exclusive. All right. So we've been having some fun these last few moments. There is literally nothing fun about what we are about to discuss. 1-800-273-8255. If you see something, say something. If you or anyone you know is having thoughts, reach out for help. Mr. Nielsen, we give you the full screen for the details on the passing of Ray Combs. Because that's literally all that's left. And normally I don't switch my monitors for this, but so I can get a better look at the camera. On June 1st, 1996, I'm just going to read this straight out. Police were called to Combs' home at 1318 Sonora oh, Avenue in Glendale, California, over reports of a disturbance. Eric, can we do the thing from earlier, please? Speaking of disturbances. Oh, ill-timed. Yee. I think Eric understands what I'm going for here. Yeah. The thing I, from way earlier. Okay, I'm double-checking which thing, but I have you on full screen, so. Would you like to introduce your clip Why he finds it? Read the chat. Yes. Well, I didn't have that clip. I just had okay. that immediately ready. I have okay. to go back and find that. No, yeah, but I figure it's appropriate for the, you know. Yeah, for the reading of what we're about to read. By the way, the link to Mr. Combs' Wikipedia page with the information will be included in the show description as well. All right. Luckily, with that, I had the extra time to queue it up at the right spot, so... That's a good call, Brian. Mm -hmm. Mr. Nielsen, if you would like to please take it again from the top. Sure. June 1st, 1996. Police were called to Combs' home at 1318 Sonora Avenue in Glendale, California, over reports of a disturbance. Combs reportedly destroyed most of the inside of his house. Had also been banging his head against the walls, though Combs later told police he fell in the jacuzzi. Shortly after police arrived, 
Combs' estranged wife, Debbie, arrived, informed him that Combs was suicidal, and spent the previous week in the hospital for a suicide attempt. He was then taken by police to Glendale Adventist Medical Center, where he was assessed by a medical doctor, placed on a 72-hour psychiatric observation hold. At around 4.10 a.m., June 2nd, Hospital personnel discovered Combs in the closet of his room, hanging by his bed sheets. He was taken to the emergency room, pronounced dead on arrival, age 40. Death was ruled a suicide. June 7th, 1996, Combs' funeral was held at the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Glendale. The remains were flown back to his hometown of Hamilton, Ohio, where he was interred at the Greenwood Cemetery. Combs survived by his parents, Ray Sr., and Anita Jean Combs, his wife, and their six children. And I'm just going to say on a personal note, because I did see something way back in the day, a documentary about Ray Combs, his life, and those moments, especially at that facility. Fuck that facility. I still, to this day, have a lot of question marks about how that went down. And uh, sitting right there with Mama Watkins, 50 years in the medical field, she had those same questions. I put a link in our chat here. It's not something we're going to play. But in doing my research for this show earlier today, I happened upon a very succinct and detailed deep dive of sorts on Ray Combs. Um, it's worth watching. If you have the opportunity, should we include it in the show description if people uh, are interested? Yeah, that's viewing? kind of why I, yeah. Okay. Um, I was already way ahead of you in copying that link and about to do some typing for said description. Okay, just confirming. I know it's a little early because Harry's planning on popping this question next week. But Ray Combs personally remains and will always be number two host in my book. A family feud. I'll go ahead and give you an opportunity to talk about the Combs era family feud right now here, because like uh, like Brian was saying earlier, with the the Doug Davidson Price is right. This is kind of your this is kind of your hill. So if we could give Jonathan the screen, Mister Watkins. No, no, don't 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 need a full. Give him the full. I don't need the full. Damn it! They're getting it anyway. I. Okay. Yes, some can as, cover it. As mentioned, I was born in 84. Combs started 88. I was four years old. While most people were watching Price is Right and such, Family Feud was right there with me. I caught syndicated. I had the half-hour show. This was my binge. I did not even know the name Richard Dawson until later in the 90s, Game Show Network reruns 
and seeing the original from the 70s and 80s. Or 70s and early half of the 80s, I should say. After that, when first finding internet, stand up. Guy was on point. There's a thing about Ohio producing comedians that go the game show route. Combs was a pioneer and led the way for money. Others like, oh, I don't know, our current host of Price is Right handling that show after Bob Barker stepped down. So, yeah, bullseye round was filler. Gimmick trying to add it in there. But it gave Combs a larger show. One of very few game shows to get the full hour treatment outside of Price is Right. It was a show-saving gimmick, to be honest. True. Yeah, but along it was show, It was family feud. If you'll stop interrupting me. Wow, Nielsen's getting heated. I got the full damn screen. I'm going to take advantage of the full goddamn screen now. And if you got a problem with it, I'll see you on the Nielsen ratings on the 1st of June. Where it's on in four seconds. Continue. Oh, I won't need four seconds. And I lost my train of thought. You're talking about the show, Bullseye Round, everything being right. filler. Combs was given flexibility to show his personality a bit more in that show with the full hour than most hosts had at the time with that half-hour exposure that was usually trimmed to 22 to 26 minutes because of commercials. So we got to see a lot more of them. And because we got to see a lot more of them, I think that's really what led to him getting the feelings that this is all he's doing. He's doing so much of it, being typecast this role, the comedy career not working out as a consequence of that, being Pigeon's game show host, which was even mentioned in some of his wrestling crossover side, where Heenan recounted in his autobiography that Combs felt he was being demeaned and being typecast as a game show host. If Bobby the Brain Heenan could notice it, yeah, mental health care in the 90s was shit. Didn't matter where you went. I had a friend of mine in high school that did commit suicide right before I moved from New York to Florida. And it was right about this same time. So that's where it hit me. So yeah, this is an issue that has touched all four of us here in different ways. But Ray, when he got that show, he hosted his ass off. And when Jonathan Goodson said, ratings are down, we're going back to Dawson. Imagine how you would feel if your predecessor came back to do your job because you were told 
basically you're not doing it or going back to the original and basically as a consequence nullifying your whole existence of the show the biggest slap of face you can get in hollywood ray combs did not deserve that and that was the straw that i think broke the camel's back in that regard and that's why we're here today <clears throat> Toby, and I honestly feel about talking about suicide as something that's not done enough, and it gets swept under the rug, sadly. I want to thank on behalf of my friends and family that I've had thoughts, one of which came really close. Thank you, W2M and Lilies, for doing this. Your tribute has me in tears. Reminder, suicide is no laughing matter. If you need help, go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org or call 1-800-273-8255. Did we seriously lose Espinoza? Yep. I've known Espinoza for a better part of 10 plus years. I've known Eric over there for getting 15 to 20 range. Um, 50, uh, I've never mentioned 15. Isaac to either of them. Yeah. Yeah. This is news to me, and without going into too many details involving... A good friend of mine and my next-door neighbor, Tayuno, who I had grown up since childhood with. July 6th, 2007. Never going to forget the sounds that I heard coming out of that house or anything since. We had a... Oh, sorry, Eric. Go ahead. No, I was going to say his suicide was actually, yeah, the first funeral that I had ever been to. It was right before I moved, didn't have the opportunity to attend. We have, we had a news desk plan for tonight, but it doesn't feel appropriate. It's news that can wait until next week. I'm not even going to go through the formality of the traditional show close either. It doesn't feel appropriate to do that, given the tone of topic that we are just discussing. Um, if you need help, get it. It's there, and especially right now, I'm going to flat out say it. Things are shit. If you've seen me and even my various podcasts or things or have been around to converse with me in real life, yeah, I'm first to tell you things are shit. Things don't look like they're going to get any better in the grand scheme. In fact, maybe getting worse. But knowing people who have down been down that road, being down that road myself, no matter how things get right now, you don't want to go to the end of that road. It doesn't lead to anywhere else but a very dark place. Reach out, somebody, call, text, whatever, but... We'll have the resources, more in the link in the description. Help is there. There is no shame in seeking it out whatsoever. I will simply close with this. It's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to do nothing about it. If I could summarize here. Basically, the middle years went like this.
Ray was brought in to save the show. Louis Anderson had to bring the dignity back. Karn succeeded in bringing the dignity back. And two more mediocre hosts after that brought us to the current era. There's the TLDR. And I'm sorry I don't completely agree with that. I thought I thought I mean we don't have to give like specific ratings or anything. We can talk uh we can talk like favorites and stuff, like I said. That'll be my I've got a question for next week here. Of the best of the rest, though, I already know Jonathan's answer because he just outright said it. Brian, who would you put at the top of the best of the rest for the other four hosts of Family Feud? Uh, I don't know. Eric? Combs, definitely. I don't have enough experience with Combs to make that judgment. However, I will try to seek what I can find and see what I see what's available on various sources. For me, I apologize. What specifically did I miss there? Going to make a point as far as but wrap yours up and we can let Ryan have his final thought for the week. Because he disagreed with my assessment of the middle years as a whole. Oh, I, I wasn't aware that there was more to it than that. I apologize. I did not mean to cut you off. It was not intentional. All right. Um, of the other of the ones that I am more familiar with, I'm going to go with Karn. I probably liked Karn the most of the other three. Most stable era. Definitely. All right. Let's give Mr. Espinosa the floor for his final thought, and then we'll get out of here. So you guys are talking about Combs and everything, and I think that we're missing some key takeaways with what happened during Combs's run. Um, as much as I hate to say it, gentlemen, and I don't mean to say this in an offensive way, we're kind of hanging a little bit too much on the suicide thing at the moment. And we're not actually talking about the meat and potatoes of Combs's run. The problem that Combs had with his run, and you can pull me off a of full screen because I fully intend everybody else to chime in. Just please try not to interrupt me. A little bit of a sore subject on that right now. Fair. Combs was brought in because the, uh, the producer that was doing Feud at the time, I am trying to think of the flapjack in name and i can't think of it um come on not incredible academic i have a director list if that would help uh howard felsher thank you i knew i'd find the name andy feisher was the director howard the director or the producer sorry yep flesher saw this guy went to Dawson or went to Dawson. Wow. Sorry. Went to Goodson and said, look, this guy is good. Let's bring him on the show. Combs for as good of a host as he was, unfortunately I have to rightfully give him the constructive criticism 
that he is due here. Ray Combs was kind of the polar opposite in a bad way of Dawson. Dawson had this, like, I have the perfect way to put this. Unfortunately, the only person in this room that is going to get this reference is John, unless any of our ref unless any of our viewers happen to play White Wolf the ba uh, Vampire the Masquerade. Dawson was an elder ventru in every sense of the word. Old guard to a goddamn motherfucking T. Like, he always came out in the, like, Game Show Hosts Week, he wears a tuxedo. It wasn't just Game Show Hosts Week, but when he felt it necessary and he had people that, you know, could potentially be his equal, he had to make himself stand out constantly. He had to upstage the world and make it look like he was part of a secret society of sorts that only he knew about, and you were so gracious enough to be allowed to be given a glimpse of the, the, the mannerisms and ideations or whatever have you of this secret society, right? Holmes's problem was similar but opposite. Combs wasn't trying to have this pompousness about him. Combs was trying to make the show his own, and they weren't letting him. But the direction that Combs was trying to take the show in was less game show, more talk show stand-up. Which would have killed the format. For a format that was already dying in the ratings to begin with because Dawson had left. Because despite the upstage the fucking world mentality and arrogance that Dawson had, he still pulled in ratings. But between... All of the shit that Combs had to go through in primetime television between ABC or between CBS finally having to give back the 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. time block to local public or to local stations. Like, there was no. Combs was beginning to find and uh, was beginning to have to fight an uphill battle that he wasn't going to win. The problem is, how do I put this? Combs had the opportunity to go out on top before they brought in the network, the 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 format saving bullseye bullshit. Right? Because it's just, that's exactly what it was. Networks were not picking up the show again for syndication. The show was barely clearing 50% of, of networks wanting to pick it up. And it had a one sharing in the Nielsen ratings, which is like 
absolutely god awful horrible. One point five, if I remember reading correctly. Yeah, there, there, there was there... a point where it was almost sub one. Combs could have gone out on top at that point, and Combs was trying to. Combs had. I found the word. Combs had a bit of avarice to himself. Not necessarily greed, not necessarily selfishness, but kind of a combination of both that I think would best be described as avarice. Where he still thought, you know what, if I stick with this show, I stick with the format changes, yeah, it's going to get canceled, but at least I can use this as a stepping stone to the rest of my career. Unfortunately for Ray Combs, and this is the true tragedy here, it didn't happen. And when it got to the point that the ratings were so low because between networks having to give, or between networks losing time control, right? They can't mandatorily say, hey, you're airing this at this time. You know, between the rise of, like we talked about, I'm pretty sure we mentioned this earlier, at least I remember mentioning it earlier, but the rise of the likes of the tabloid talk shows like Donahue, like Oprah, like Springer, etc. On top of the fact you had the trial of the century with O.J. Simpson going on. It's the same fucking shit that killed Doug Davidson. Not even like, and I'm not trying to, you know, bring this around to Doug Davidson or anything, but the circumstances are practically the fucking same. More and so the Donahue's and such, but yeah. Th- there was no syndication time left, and, peop- and, and the syndication times that were left, people would uh, honestly rather would have watched the tabloid talk shows or the networks were shoving O.J. Simpson coverage up everybody's ass that the show didn't get a chance at the end of its run. So that's when they had that conversation. And honestly, yeah, I wish Goodson, t- I wish Mark Goodson had had the conversation with Ray Combs instead of Jonathan Goodson because I think the conversation would have went a hell of a lot differently, a hell of a lot better. And I don't think it would have sent Ray Combs into the downward spiral that eventually claimed his life. Because, yeah, there is something about being told. Because I've been there where somebody has to have a sit-down conversation with you and say, hey, this thing that you were damn good at, guess what? You can't ever do it again in your life. I've been there too. That hurts the man at his absolute core. And the indifference in which it was done and which it was handled to the point where they said, we're taking a chance and bringing back Richard Dawson. We don't care that he's not funny anymore. We don't care that he's put on 50 pounds. We don't care that audiences can barely hear him with a microphone strapped to his chest. 
because he's gotten that soft spoken. We're bringing him back anyways because we need a ratings boost to keep this show on the fucking air. And it was the perfect downward spiral of circumstances that led to this demise. And I don't think people talk about that enough. People just want to laser focus in onto the fact, oh, he was such a good guy. It's a shame that he committed suicide. But nobody ever wants to talk about the circumstances that led to why. And I think that if you really want to honor the memory of Ray Combs and you really want to do this deep dive correctly, you have to rewind the clock for a couple of moments here and go back and actually cover that and do that justice. And that's my final thought. Jonathan did mention it during the course of the Wikipedia uh, non-credible academic resource read as well. I have to be honest, I don't have any, any real experience in this. I did just find a documentary on YouTube that I will be watching once we go off the air in order to familiarize myself with the situation because, again, I don't have enough information about it. I don't know all of the details. I, I do know Combs from the outside material that he did, specifically his involvement with professional wrestling and then the WBF versus WWF, because I have specifically seen those particular episodes. I remember watching them. As a matter of fact, I think I actually have the episodes on a burnt DVD somewhere here in the apartment as well, where it's got all of the episodes on one disc. Go ahead, Eric. And I was actually going to chime and kind of accentuate Brian's point a bit. As we had mentioned, Toby, and I put the comment earlier Speaking deep in, it's very much appreciated. One of those things, and it's kind of that segue of how the times changed. Because if you look at Dawson's run, where were we as a society in the mid-70s? You could get away with doing certain things. You could be a little bit more free and loose, and those attitudes changed. I, I, I had to come. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I, I have the perfect thing to say to this. I don't ask me why it's something we'll cover on point of view or if you really want to, if you really must know. But I came up with this term recently because I was engaged in debate, if you will. And I came up with the term culturally acceptable perversity to effectively describe exactly what Eric is saying right now. Dawson's behaviors on the original feud and the way that he would treat the female contestants. Well, now, my view of the debate that I was engaged in was related to the cosplay is not consent movement. But again, we can talk about that on point of view if you really want to know. Well, we can probably get to that if not this episode coming up definitely after the brackets because I do want to delve deep into that as we go later in the year pre-September, obviously. But that's just the perfect point. Culturally acceptable perversion. By the time you started that run in 76, it was here. Way up there. By the time you ended his run in 85, thanks to a very large change in country mentality and, let's face it, at that time, leadership 
went way down to here. And that was one part of it. You didn't have that culturally acceptable perversion anymore. Plus, the demographics of television had changed from the mid-70s through to the mid-80s. Brian hit that spot on. It wasn't game shows. They became secondary. It was more talk shows. The fact is, Mark and Jonathan Goodson realized, or should have realized, hey, instead of bringing back something that was, at that time, in 94, a retread, because even in 94, we weren't getting anywhere back near to where we were in the 70s, and in a lot of facets still haven't, they still knew, hey, hey there are limits. A lot of things are going to be different, but we're going to, and we've mentioned this in other places, break glass in case of emergency. That was the emergency, but it still didn't work. They figure honestly how it should have gone down and said, it's nothing against you. We're going to help you with something else. But right now, this isn't working. So honestly, they would have been better off instead of bringing back Richard Dawson, ending it right then and there. Still have it as a springboard as far as doing something else. Help him out with something else as they tried, but... It just didn't work on a lot of levels. And again, when you have someone who at their peak practicing their craft, what their pretty much life dream and fulfillment is, and having it snatched from them, that flips a lot of mental switches. All right. Um, Toby, the aforementioned Combs Dawson documentary that we discussed will be included in the show description as well. Uh, gentlemen, do we have anything further on this topic until we get into the, before you have something else, Jonathan? Okay. Yeah, to to Brian's point. Wholehearted agree. The, I was gonna save that for Dawson because it's more critiquing Dawson and the era there, which you mentioned Combs, you have to mention Dawson. I get that, I was trying to, Save that for next week because that, that, that's a soapbox anybody can die on. Thing with Dawson also regarding socially acceptable things. Borden, Gosport, Hampshire, England. Dawson ain't American. So where's his social bearing coming from? British childhood growing up in the 1930s. I mean, yeah, they were definitely point. worse than we were. I will concede that. I mean, this at this point. Combs is born in 56, Dawson in 32. Quick subtraction math, please. 24. Broadhurst. Okay. I'll take it. Hey, we all know my position on math on this network. I yeah. like my math yeah. done for me. Yeah. And look, I but can give the, you... Here's the other point. Here's the other point that I, that I will disagree with you on. You bring up OJ a couple years off on the time scale. What I think really took the news 
because I experienced this in 93. You mentioned 9-11 earlier. The World Trade Center basement bombing in 93. That was all over New York news for a very long time. All over New York news. It did make some national headlines, but then again... Also, the whole situations with Bosnia early in Clinton's presidency. And look, we've been at this damn news events that we've been at the same effect. But yeah, no, we've been at this damn near two hours. I'm not going to spend another 90 minutes going into different historical and geopolitical and geosocial positions going from both sides of the pond, going all the way back to the 30s. If we can talk about this on point of viewer. Somewhere, some other time. Prog request is how I was going to end that. If y'all wanted me to go down that road, I will on that show. All All I'm going to say to summarize that up, right consequence, possibly wrong sources, but I still agree with you on the effects of it regardless. All right, real quick before we get out of here, um, I feel like we should open next week's episode with the password story just because it doesn't feel – like uh doesn't feel like a befitting time to get into it hey you guys want me to talk about the password story kiki palmer got named the host of password that's getting revived on nbc by jimmy fallon they're using the 60s rules and it's being ran by the same guy who did pressure luck john quinn story done we'll talk more about that next week in addition we'll talk the Damn it, Toby. Damn it, Toby. In addition, we will talk the original and less popular Richard Dawson era and the current and, in my opinion, possibly best dun, 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 era of Family Feud with Steve Harvey as your host as well. Good. Dun, dun, dun. Because I think there's going to be a fight next week. Potentially dramatic reverb. Anyways, um, Jonathan, where can people find you online? Well, since we've all changed the names already, it's visual to our visual people. For those who take our podcast in an oral fashion, JTN2002 on the Twitch. There's the fan page on the Facebook there's the old Twitch button. Expect some live streams in early May. Spoilers. And basically anywhere else except for Instagram where it's a JTN2002NY. Because somebody squat up my name and I'm not happy about it. Brian, where can people find you online? Uh, at the Andesian on Twitter. Eric, where can people find you online? At Squid Sports Head, Lilacs, League to the Max or whatever, Soccer to the Max, question mark, Broadhurst Walking Sports Report. New episode on Thursday. Not the sports in black and white. Thank you. <laughs> Point of viewer, you name a show, I'm practically on it on this network. And again, slide into my DMs on Twitter, undergo a strict and thorough vetting process. You'll be welcome. I am at HEB the Eagle pretty much everywhere online. Facebook, Yahoo, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter. 
Snapchat kind of, sort of, it exists, but I don't really use it, but it is there. Although apparently everybody's leaving for Telegram now. That's a story for point of viewer, apparently. Oh, regardless, we've covered it. <laughs> regardless, you can find me in any one of those places. In addition, like Eric just said, the show's here on the network, BWSR. I do the Indie Siders with Mark Rallage as part of TV Party Tonight. Newest episode just dropped this past Sunday. We covered Joey Janela Spring Break 6. Your next episode will cover Bloodsport, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, and For the Culture 3, also part of the GCW Collective from WrestleMania weekend. That'll be on May 2nd. So before before we get out of here, you have something, I Nielsen? just realized something. Something I believe, to end this on a positive note, that I think all four of us can agree upon. The theme music. Ed Kalehoff once again knocks another one out of the fucking park. Do-do-do. Do-do-do. And to close us on a positive note and a positive memory of Ray Combs, Mr. Watkins, do you have the clip that I sent you? That one? That would be the one. Mr. Indesian, you apparently have a clip as well? Oh, this is, in my opinion, the exemplar of Combs. You're muted, Brian. We were talking about the music. I had a quick thing about the music, if Eric could cue it up. Yeah, go ahead and play his clip for the music first, and then we'll we'll close the show on the positive note there. Can you can you do that from the beginning? Because I was expecting it to come up on screen. I'm sorry. No, that was from the beginning. Yeah, I know. I was expect. Yeah, okay. Here we go. It's a new car. My God, that is one of the prices, right? Car cues. It's last month series here on Life is Like a Game Show. Uh, and, if we, archives. and if and if we go any longer, we're gonna get to prices right level episodes here on Life is Like a Game Show. Hey, hey, we budgeted and we budgeted ninety minutes for this show. The fact that we're at two hours ain't bad. No, I'm I'm perfectly acceptable at the two hour mark, which is why I'm about to send us out of here. But yes, the um the Price is Right did use a modified version of the Family Feud queue. If you listen, there isn't the banjos. Um, and a little less horns at the beginning there. Um, for car cues, up until Match Game Hollywood Squares came out, where match where the MGHS theme, as we talked about before, became a predominant car cue. And the Family Feud one was reti mostly retired until like the mid 90s when it was fully retired. All right, go ahead and pull it off the screen, Eric. <laughs> um, to answer Toby's question for the Boys to Men outro, the answer is no. However, we want to leave one a positive note for Ray Combs, and I can't help but think that this clip is exactly that. It is arguably one of the most iconic clips in Family Feud history. This is Ray Combs' shtick at its peak. He is the one who originated it. He's the one that perfected this. For Brian Espinosa, Jonathan Nielsen, and Eric Watkins, I'm Harry Broadhurst. You have been listening to Life is Like a Game Show, a presentation of the W2M Network online. I'm getting there. At 
online at w2mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite audio podcast services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox, Overcast. Rate and review us five stars on Spotify. Check us out on Discord. Show link in the link in the show description. And check us out in video format on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. Everywhere but Twitch is W2M Network. Twitch is W2M Net. You have been listening to Life is Like a Game Show, Family Feud, The Best of the Rest, a presentation of the W2M Network. Fare thee well. Try to give me the most popular answers that you can think of. If you and your partner pile up 200 or more points, you're going to take home $10,000. Are you ready? You are ready. You have 15 seconds in which to do so. 15 seconds on the clock, please. The time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Name a magazine that many men get subscriptions to as gifts. Sports Illustrated. A specific food and a submarine sandwich. Cheese. A slang word for money. Dough. One word that means clever. Smart. Something you tie into a bow. Ribbon. Turn right around here. Let me see how you feel. <laughs> you bounce and I can feel you shaking like that. I don't know there might be another earthquake we're having here. <laughs> Name a magazine that men get subscriptions to as gifts. You said Sports Illustrated. Our survey said 34. Now, you have a man? I used to. <laughs> and you, and you're, you're laughing like you lost him because you didn't buy him a Sports Illustrated? Or was it because he had a subscription to maybe Playboy? Oh, no, what, was, what was the problem? You, you just broke up? Yes. Right, we, we won't talk about it. It seems shameful. I asked you a specific food in a submarine sandwich. You said? Cheese. Our survey said? Slang word for money. You said dough. You think that's a bad answer? What are you laughing for? Our survey said Pretty good so far. I asked you one word that means clever. You said Our survey said You know, I'm going to say something here. What if you get all 200 points by yourself? I take all the dough. <laughs> you really do call it dough, do you not? Okay, here's what we're going to do. I've got one more question. I'm going to ask you, if it brings enough points, 43 points near 200 points, we're going to dance up and down because you've got $10,000, but we're going to leave your, your sister off stage. And then we're going to reset that clock and bring her back out and make her think she needs to get 180 points. <laughs>
this way. Don't let her look at the clock. Here she comes. All right. Very important. Here she comes. Please don't look at, don't look up. Look straight at me. It's very, it's not looking good, Glenda. Thank you. Right here, look straight ahead. You know how this works. I'm going to ask you the same five questions. I want you to try to give me the most popular answers. I don't want you to be nervous. There's a lot of number one answers there. Your partner only came up with 18 points. You need 182 <laughs> points for the $10,000. Okay. You can do this. If you hear this sound, it means you've duplicated one of your partner's answers. And I'll say try again. You give me another answer. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. 20 seconds on the clock, please. Good luck. You revealed your partner's answers there. All right. There were three stooges named Curly's wife. What was the name of Little Orphan Annie's dog? I don't know. Quickly, give me a number between three and five. Four. Name something you do when you're angry. Right. Name a handsome game show host. Two. Okay, turn around. Let's watch the button.